Hello, I'm Dr. Sharon Brangman, Distinguished Service Professor and Chair of the Department of Geriatrics at Upstate Medical University, where I also direct the Upstate Center of Excellence for Alzheimer's Disease. Today, I'm here with Dr. Robert Zorowitz, who is Regional Vice President at Humana. We're going to discuss some of the key points from the AGS's Older Adult Vaccine Initiative with a specific focus on coding for vaccinations. Dr. Zarwitz, I know a lot of clinicians have questions about how do we code for vaccinations, and I was wondering if you could review some of the key points for our audience. I would be delighted to do that, Dr. Brangman. First, I, I just want to make a few points because vaccination coding can appear complicated on the surface, but it really isn't that complicated, so, so bear with me. So first... Medicare Part B and Medicare Part D are a little different. So Medicare Part B, by statute, covers vaccines for influenza, pneumococcal pneumonia, and hepatitis B. And Part B covers other vaccines only if directly related to an illness or an injury. So, for instance, if someone requires a tetanus shot after an injury, but it would not cover a prophylactic tetanus shot on a routine basis. All other vaccines that are recommended by CDC's Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, otherwise known as ACIP, would be covered by Part D. The important thing about coding, and what makes it a little confusing, is that reporting vaccines usually require two codes, one for the specific vaccine product and a second for the administration. And most vaccine products are reported with a specific CPT code, except for flu, pneumococcal pneumonia, and hepatitis B. For these, which are reported to Medicare Part B, CMS has their own codes, known as Healthcare Common Procedure Codes or HCPCS codes. These usually begin with a G. And our slide set has lists of these. The other thing that's important to know is that because vaccines change so often and new ones come, the CPT manual may not always be up to date, and the AMA has its own webpage where you can find the most up-to-date codes. So if it's okay with you, I can give you a few examples, a few little scenarios. Yeah, I think that would be very helpful to kind of drive home some of the key points you just mentioned. Okay, so I, I'm going to try to give two or three examples. Let's talk about a 65-year-old woman who comes into the physician for an initial preventive physical exam or what we know in the vernacular as the welcome to Medicare visit. So, of course, to report this visit, as you probably know, the clinician has to complete a series of required components, which include a history, review of systems, medications, and a variety of different screens. And let's say her only reported problem is age-related hearing loss, and you, want, you, know, you recommend that she undergo audiology testing, but she's otherwise healthy. But then you find out as a physician or clinician that she has never had a pneumococcal vaccine, and she's due for an influenza vaccine, and you recommend both, and she agrees. So how do you code these? So it may look somewhat complicated, but it's actually relatively straightforward. So first... The introduction to Medicare visit itself is reported with the so-called HCPCS code or G-code, 
G0402. And then if you were going to do a screening EKG, you would use that code. And she has no EKG abnormality, so you go on. Now, each of these two vaccines then require their own codes. So let's say we are going to do the influenza vaccine, and we look up in our little manual or our little list. Now, there is a CPT code for uh, influenza. However, CMS requires that we use its own G code, which is G0008. And again, these are in the slide set that accompanies this curriculum, so uh, you don't need to memorize this. And there is, however, a CPT code uh, for the particular type of vaccine. So, for instance, 90662 is influenza virus vaccine, split virus, preservative-free, enhanced immunogenicity, etc. So I'm not going to give you the details because there are a variety of different codes. Likewise, for the administration of the pneumococcal vaccine, we are required to use a G code, in this case, G0009. And then the specific CPT code for the product, which in this case might be pneumococcal conjugate vaccine 20-valent, which is known as the PCV20 for intramuscular use, which would be 90677. And again, don't worry about the particulars. This is all listed in the, in the slides and in, in the manual. So let's take another scenario. Again, I realize this might be a little complicated, but it actually isn't. Um, let's say a 74-year-old woman with diabetes comes for a follow-up visit. You might be the nurse practitioner or the uh, primary care provider, and so she comes in for a routine follow-up visit. And you perform that visit. Um, her diabetes is under good control, so you're going to manage that appropriately. But then she says, you know, I've never had a, uh, a pneumococcal vaccine. Well, this is great. This is your opportunity. So we are going to administer the pneumococcal vaccine. Now, how do we code this? So first step, the office visit itself, let's say it's a 20 to 29-minute visit. You use CPT code 99213. Because you're going to administer a vaccine that's unrelated to the disease, you have to affix the modifier 25. So you are submitting as a claim 99213 with modifier 25. For the administration of the pneumococcal vaccine, we use that G code, which we mentioned before, G0009, which would be in lieu of the equivalent CPT code. And then let's say we use, again, PCV20, as we did in the previous example, um, 90677, which is the pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, 20-valent for intramuscular use. Easy. So you're submitting three codes for the visit and for the administration of the vaccine along with the particular product. So this is very helpful because these are real-life scenarios that we see every day as we take care of people in the office, and it's important for clinicians to realize that we can bill for these vaccinations if we use the appropriate codes. Yes, and, and, and as I said before, it does appear complicated on the surface. Once you become familiar with it and you sort of come up with a routine for doing it, it's not that difficult, um, and the, the curriculum really walks through the process. 
So what would happen if someone comes in who has an actual injury? So say, for example, somebody injures themselves and you think they need a tetanus shot. How would that change? Yeah, that's that's an excellent scenario. So let's say, oh, a 70, 71-year-old gentleman comes in for a follow-up of hypertension but happens to mention that he cut his foot on a jagged piece of metal. So once again, you do the visit. And let's say another, you know, this one's longer because he's got a number of comorbidities. You're going over 30, 39 minutes. So we're going to use CPT code for office outpatient 99214. But this gentleman who cut his foot on a piece of metal now requires a a tetanus diphtheria booster. And uh, therefore, we're going to, again, affix that modifier 25 to the office code so 99214 and the modifier 25. In this case, we're using a CPT code for both the administration and the product. So let's say we're giving him a tetanus diphtheria booster because it's time. He hasn't had one in a few years. We might as well give him both tetanus and diphtheria rather than just tetanus. So Tetanus and diphtheria toxoids adsorb preservative-free when administered to individuals seven years or older, and that would be CPT code 90714. And then we also need to use an administration code, which 90471 would indicate immunization administration, one vaccine. And therefore, here, instead of using those G codes, which we use for flu shots or pneumococcal vaccines or hepatitis, here we're actually using the CPT code for both the product and for the administration itself. So that's very helpful. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, this information is readily available in your slide deck that you made for the um, AGS's Older Adult Vaccine Initiative. And also, the vaccine codes can be found in the CPT manual or on the AMA's Category 1 vaccine webpage so that these resources are readily available to any of our clinicians who want to start working on incorporating vaccine coding into their clinical practice. Are there any other points that you would like to make today, Dr. Zorowitz? The only other point that I would make is that in addition to reporting these codes, when you submit claims for uh, these visits, of course, uh, one has to also submit ICD-10 codes. And usually, uh, one would use Z23 and counter for immunization, but there are also specific ICD-10 codes for pneumococcal pneumonia vaccine, influenza, hepatitis B, and they can be reported as well. We didn't get into the, the whole subject of COVID-19 vaccines. Those get a little bit more complicated because the codes indicate not only the specific product, but also whether it's a first, second, or third dose. And again, the AMA maintains a webpage that lists all the vaccines and their appropriate codes, both for uh, COVID-19 and, and other conditions. It's all there, and it's, it's listed, and the links are uh, in the curriculum slide set. Thank you so much for this important information and for joining us today. And I would like to remind everyone that we have all of this information in our slide deck that is part of the AGS's Older Adult Vaccine Initiative. Thank you, Dr. Zorowitz. My pleasure.